Hi friends, welcome to the Mother with a Loud Mind podcast. If this is your first time joining, thank you so much for being here. I highly encourage you to go back to episode zero, I almost didn't do this, where you can get a little insight into what future episodes will be about and get to know me a little better. If you are a returning listener, you are seriously the coolest and I appreciate you endlessly. Please feel free to give this podcast a review and rating at the end of the episode. It really helps us grow and reach a larger audience. I'm your host, Morgan Klontz. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Hope you had a great week. I had a much better week than I did last week. Um, let's see some housekeeping things. Uh, today is part one of a two-part series that we're going to be tackling on trauma, trauma responses, intrusive thoughts, and it's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) Not really. Um, what else did I want to tell you? If you don't follow mother with a loud mind on Instagram, what the heck are you doing? Um, we're doing something really fun since this two-part series is going to be kind of like heavy, I guess. Um, I want to do something fun in between. So not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, we're going to have a little bonus episode. And on Instagram, I asked you guys to please submit to me your most embarrassing confessions. Um, I've had a lot of moms send some really funny stuff. And um, these are going to be anonymous, of course. So you can head over to Mother with a Loud Mind on Instagram or you can message me on my personal Instagram, Morgan L. Klotz. Um, send me a DM with your story. And if you want to be like super, super secretive, you could even make like a burner email account if you don't even want me to know who you are. And you can email mother with a loud mind pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Um, what else? What else? So I have a very large goal for the podcast. Um, I really think we can make it happen though by the end of the year. So what, two months, a little over six weeks, maybe, um, I would really like, so on Apple podcasts and on Spotify, um, Spotify is a little different, but Apple podcasts has a, um, like a trending podcast list every week and they have like an overall top 200 podcasts which is really, really hard to get on unless you're a huge podcast because there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts um, on Apple, Spotify, any platform. Um, But they break up, they have like uh, individualized lists according to what topic your podcast falls under. So we are a mental health podcast, but that falls under health and fitness on Apple. I can't remember what it falls under um, on Spotify. I'll have to look into that. We're talking Apple. And I say Apple because you can rate and review on Apple. I don't think you can leave a review on um, Spotify. I think you can just rate. So my goal by the end of the year is to make the top 200 health and fitness podcast list. And how do we do that? It is through number of downloads or number of listens or one in the same. Um, Five star ratings and good reviews. So I need your help. (laughs) I need you to head over to Apple Podcasts. You don't have to download anything. If you don't know, Apple Podcasts is already on your iPhone. You don't have to make an account. You don't have to do anything. Just it's a little purple app called Podcasts. I think it's purple. I could be wrong. 
Um, head over there, search. You have to type in, since we're newer, you have to type in mother with a loud mind completely and hit search. It's not going to come up as a recommendation, unfortunately. Um, click on it. There, I think it's a little star, maybe. It'll let you leave a, re a rating and it'll also let you type out a little review. And it would mean the absolute world to me <laughs> if you would do that because I would really like to get us trending. So that's, I think, all I was going to tell you. But before um, we get into this episode, I do want to remind you that I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. I am not a mental health professional. I do not have a degree in psychology or anything of that nature. Um, I'm just a mom that has some mental health issues, some childhood trauma that I want to talk about. I've learned um, a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about today in therapy. I've done my own research. I've read um, some books recently that I'll share. Um, I think I'll, I'll try to link them, but um, by the time you're listening to this, I may or may not have already shared them on Instagram. But anyway, I will. And so I do want you to know I'm not a medical health professional. Please do not take any medical advice from me. I just want this to be a resource for you. Therapy is extremely expensive, um, but I'm not licensed by any means. So just want to throw that out there. All right. So let's get into this episode. First of all, what is a trauma response? A trauma response is the reflective use of over-adapted coping mechanisms in the real or perceived presence of a traumatic event. So let's put that in more layman's terms. Essentially what happens is when our brains detect trauma, maybe, in, maybe you're in a similar situation that you've been in before that was traumatic, maybe you're in the same place where past trauma occurred, maybe you see something that reminds you of a past traumatic experience, smell something, hear something, whatever it may be. It's anything that triggers your brain to say, okay, we are not safe here. We are in danger. This is what initiates a trauma response. And the response is whatever your brain thinks will help you survive that situation or get you out of danger. And there are four common trauma responses we may experience. But before we talk about that, I want you to know that trauma could mean anything that deeply affected you physically, mentally, emotionally. Any and all trauma is valid and should be felt. Trauma doesn't always look like being involved in a shooting or being kidnapped or suddenly losing your spouse. Whatever you think of when you think of a trap of a um, gosh, I cannot speak traumatic experience, those things are trauma. But trauma can also be an abusive partner. It could be growing up with parents that fall all the time. It could be big or small. And the size of your trauma isn't what determines whether or not it affects you or if it can affect you. I mean, anything that makes you feel unsafe or scared or hurt and leaves a lasting effect is trauma. And you're allowed to have every emotion that comes with that. So as we discuss this further, I want you to keep in mind that you may have a realization as we talk. Something you may have never considered past trauma may come up and you may begin to understand what happened to you in the past was in fact traumatic. And I just really hope I can help you understand your feelings and provide a little knowledge and support for you to take with you when you go. So, all right, let's circle back and talk about the four different trauma responses. So we have fight, flight, 
freeze, and fawn. So let's quickly break each of the, or yeah, break each of those down. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice. I've been talking way too much um, and I'm getting like tongue tied. <laughs> so, um, all right, first we have fight. This response can cause you to become explosive, angry. You may yell, you may express some controlling behavior. You may display some narcissistic behavior, but usually this results in some sort of outburst, not always physical, but some sort of big emotional outburst. Then we have flight. Um, you may become a workaholic if you're in a stressful situation. Uh, you may become a workaholic and just throw yourself into whatever you're working on in order to avoid the impending feelings your trauma is causing. You may overthink, you may panic, you may have difficulty sitting still, but often this will result in some sort of anxiety coming to the surface. Okay, then we have freeze and fawn. And in a psychological sense, these are seen as two separate responses. But for me personally, these go hand in hand and oftentimes are presented together at a time of trauma for me personally. Um, so freeze can look like indecisiveness or difficulty making decisions. You may have anxiety around making the wrong decision, especially if you're pressured or you feel rushed. You may feel stuck. You may begin to dissociate and kind of zone out and you may feel numb and just unable to feel any specific emotion about the situation. And then last week, we have fawn. You may feel overwhelmed. You may have feelings of codependency, lack of identity, lack of boundaries. And this is also known as the people-pleasing trauma response. Yes, if you did not know, people-pleasing can be a trauma response. Um, Over-explaining or over-justifying is also a trauma response in some scenarios. If you grew up in a space where you were taught to suppress your emotions and you weren't allowed to feel or show emotion without being punished, you may now feel the need to over-explain why you're having or expressing emotion in your adult life. Emotional neglect, especially in childhood, is considered a traumatic event. Um, again, trauma can be anything that caused a negative feeling and leads to residual negative feelings in the future. So, when we're left to over-explain our every thought, fear, and emotion, we're left feeling exhausted, right? And we're left thinking and worrying that we will be seen as overly sensitive, something I have been called many, 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 many times in my life. And I now face the residual effects of that, people-pleasing, over-justifying, not feeling warranted and having emotions, anxious about expressing emotions, dissociating, the list goes on. And this is why in my home and on my personal parenting journey, I'm working really hard to allow my kids to express their emotions and not to be made feel made to feel overly sensitive or like it's not okay to be upset that your ice cream can fell on the ground or you shouldn't be scared of the vacuum cleaner or whatever it may be that causes them to express an emotion of any kind and of any volume. Now, I'm not saying it's okay for them to throw the world's biggest tantrum over these things, but they're little and they're learning and it will lead to a healthier adulthood if we implement these practices now. And I really wish that I could have healed my inner child a little bit and, you know, really taken these things head on before I had children. But unfortunately, my mental health journey did not begin until I was pregnant with my second child, who's now six months old. So... If you haven't had children yet, I really suggest going to therapy and working on these things before you have children 
so you can be a better parent. And I love this quote from Dr. Gabor Mate. He is an author and an expert on addiction, stress, and childhood. And it comes, it, it kind of um, sums up what I just said perfectly. It says, if a parent is not in touch with their own feelings, they cannot tolerate their child's feelings. It threatens the parent and the child learns, I mustn't feel what I feel. It's true. It's true. And I've had to learn that the hard way, but we're working through it. So let's talk about some other things you may not realize are trauma responses. And again, you may begin to remember things from your childhood and you may start putting the pieces together and that can be overwhelming. So just keep that in mind and take a break, think, meditate, whatever you need to do. So perfectionism can also be a trauma response in some cases. If you were constantly criticized as a child, perfectionism might be the only way you feel valued now as an adult. This is another thing I'm working through in therapy, and it goes hand in hand with my need to feel in control. And no, this is not any fault of my parents. This is a generational thing that I am trying to break. And I mean, those roots run deep. So mom, this is not me picking on you because I know you grew up the exact same way. Um, maybe as a child, you felt like you never did anything right. Any move you made was a wrong one, or it was going to be criticized and judged. And I want you to remember something else. I have to remind myself of this daily. Your value doesn't change depending on what you're doing, producing, and achieving. Your value as a business owner doesn't change because you didn't make a single sale today. Your value as a mom doesn't change because you didn't take your kids to the park and the zoo and have them in matching outfits and got them to eat their entire dinner all in the same day. Your value as a wife doesn't decrease because you asked your husband to pick up dinner on his way home from work because you had a really stressful day and the last thing you want to do is cook. So perfectionism can create this false sense of safety, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this perfectionism can have serious repercussions such as burnout, anxiety, and believe it or not, can cause health issues such as chronic pain, migraines, muscle fatigue. Trauma is held in the body. And it's important to remember that we can't control how our automatic nervous system reacts to trauma. Our body responds before the logical part of our brain has even had a chance to process what's going on. So Tuning into your feelings and reminding yourself to slow down can be really helpful. And this will help you slow down the physiological effects of your trauma response. And this is why being able to become self-aware is such a beautiful thing to me. If you're able to say, okay, I'm having these feelings of anxiousness or anger or numbness as a trauma response, it really helps to kind of ground yourself and bring yourself back down. And it's even better when you get to the point where you know that response is coming before it even surfaces and you can anticipate it and work through it more logically before your body reacts to it. That doesn't mean you have to suppress that trauma response and say, no, I'm not doing this right now. I can't feel that way right now. This is just a trauma response. You should still go through those emotions and sit with them. But being aware of why they're happening for me has proven to be really helpful in identifying my personal responses to trauma as well as what triggers that trauma response and that leads to being able to avoid triggers and so on and so forth so let's talk about another trauma response i often feel like i'm waiting for the other shoe to drop like i can't ever relax 100 percent and if something good happens 
I know that something awful is like lurking around the corner, which of course is not true most of the time. And if you are raised in a chaotic and stressful environment, you may begin to develop the core belief that chaos is safer than peace. Because we think current peace means a scary, awful future, like right around the corner. So anytime things seem to be going super well for you, you may find that you create the unnecessary chaos in order to feel safe again. And you probably won't even realize that's what you're doing. You may think you're acting out of anxiousness, but your brain is creating this chaos that comes out as anger or an argument or stress in order to make your brain feel safe again. It's a trauma response. Something else I experience as a trauma response is emotional addiction. And I actually talk about this quite a bit in the book I'm writing, so I'll quickly touch on it. Um, So if you read my book, you'll read about how I felt addicted to sadness and addicted to my depression. And this was leading up to me being on antidepressants. So if you've ever experienced depression for a long period of time, even if it was undiagnosed, you may become comfortable with it. You may choose to stay at home all the time. You may find yourself wanting to cry a lot. And I don't mean crying like to have an emotional release. I mean crying because you wanted to cry, which keeps the cycle of emotional pain going. And then before you know it, your depression becomes your identity. The body can become dependent on cortisol, which is the stress hormone. If you're in this constant state of stress, it becomes dependent on it. So you may find it difficult to relax and you may feel guilty for resting. I'm looking at all of you moms. Um, You may seek situations or behave in ways that increase stress. And you could be completely 100% aware that this is what's happening and you probably want to stop, but you can't because stress has now become where your brain feels safe. We seek patterns and feelings that feel familiar. And this brings me to my next point, which is not feeling gratitude for every positive thing in your life. How many of you have been through a difficult time in your life and have someone that doesn't really know the extent of what you're dealing with, or maybe they do and they're just insensitive, um, and they'll approach you with, well, look around you at all you have to be grateful for. And if you're that person, please don't do that. It, it's one thing to find the positive in a bad situation. Sure. I'll preach that all day long. Take your negative thoughts and turn them into positive ones. But it's another thing to completely dismiss the feelings of dismay and sadness and just utter grief that someone may be going through. Gratitude is a valuable emotion and mindset that serves an important purpose. But grief, anger, loss, sadness, numbness, and any other thing that may look negative to someone on the outside is also extremely valuable. It's so important to be honest with how you're actually feeling. This is how we heal. And you can absolutely be feeling a multitude of different emotions all at once. You may feel super excited and joyful and full of grief and sadness at the same time. And that is depression a lot of times. I felt the exact same way. I was so happy, you know, to be home with my baby, da, 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 da. And I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. And this is before I started taking medication, Um, which if you want to know more about my medication journey, episode one. But anyway... (laughs) What's important is you take the time to sit in each feeling and understand where it's coming from so it doesn't become overwhelming. Because we know all too well, when feelings become overwhelming, we shove them down and lock them in the basement. But eventually, your basement is going to be busting at the seams and that door is going to fly off the hinges and you will be forced to feel everything all at once and that is a recipe for disaster. Not enjoying everything good 
that happens to you does not make you ungrateful. And do not let anybody call you ungrateful for that. Agreeing to do things to keep the peace is another trauma response. I've told you before that my biological parents are divorced, but my mom and stepdad also divorced, gosh, almost 10 years ago, I think. I'm not really sure. It was a nasty one. And I remember I was like 13, probably. I remember asking God to just please let them stop arguing. And I promised to do anything just to keep the peace between them. And now as a trauma response, I do it all the time. And I've gotten a lot better about it over the years, especially since I've started therapy. But I still carry around those people pleasing tendencies. And I could name 20 times off the top of my head that instead of speaking up, I've agreed to do something just to avoid an argument, just to avoid feeling guilty, just to avoid someone else being disappointed in me just to keep the peace. That is, in fact, in some situations, a trauma response. So there are obviously tons of other trauma responses. These are just a few that I've had personal experience with and felt good about talking about um, because I've experienced them. And I highly encourage therapy if you're able. A therapist can really help you identify what is a trauma response in your personal life and what is not. And they will help you work through that diligently and give you the tools you need. So next week, we're going to have a part two to this episode. And part two is going to be on intrusive thoughts, which can also be, you guessed it, a trauma response. But intrusive thoughts are really complex. And there is quite a bit of science and psychology behind it. So I wanted to give it yeah, I wanted to give it its own episode. It can also be related to OCD. A lot of a lot of things that I don't necessarily have the capability to be speaking on. Oh my goodness, a baby's crying. But I wanted to give it its own episode so we can really go deeper and have a really informative discussion on intrusive thoughts, best to my ability, um, because they are something I'm sure we have all experienced. So come back next Friday and I'll tell you everything you need to know about your intrusive thoughts. Have a great week, friends. We have officially made it to the end. <laughs> Thank you so much for making it this far. If you stick around for just another second, I'd love to share some affirmations with you today. I am a good mom. I am exactly who my kids need. I am grateful for the time I get to spend with my kids. My kids do not need a perfect mom. I will stay calm, even in the midst of chaos. I am worthy of love and affection. God wants what's best for my life, so I will relinquish all my fears onto Him as they are not my burden to bear. I will live in the moment today and not stress about my past or worry about the future. My past mistakes do not define who I am now. I am a strong and confident woman. I am an intelligent individual. God has called me to motherhood and through Him I can do all things. I love my body and am comfortable in my own skin. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I am a kind human being. I am not just a mom.